Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up, become strong. Welcome back to another Strong Towers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Lara, and I'm joined, as always, with John Ackerman and Tom Edwards. We're back in the Zoom One studios again for another episode um, of social distancing. I am very pleased that we have actually started phase one in Northern Virginia. We're able to get out. We're able to explore a little bit, granted with masks and whatnot. But we did uh, decide to go ahead and uh, meet back up on the Zoom and get another recording out for you guys. And if you've had the opportunity to listen for the last couple of episodes, we have been diving into mentorship. It started out with a quick conversation we had with uh, Zach and his ability to kind of coach me up and kind of show me the way on running a 100 miler, um, which is still tiring, by the way, just to bring that up. So if you have an opportunity to go back, listen to that episode and check out what we have there. Um, We followed that conversation up uh, with another quick uh, information with just the rest of us just kind of talking about, you know, what mentorship meant with us and, you know, what the different topics and how we experience mentorship in our lives. Uh, We had Morgan on the episode, which was a great episode. I learned a lot just listening to him speak. And then we followed it up with a, with a conversation with Alex Voorhees and kind of diving deep on what it means to kind of mentor up as far as, as far as that opportunity. But today I'm, I'm actually really happy because we have some of our good friends, uh, Brooke Ackerman, who's been on the show before and, uh, Mike Haynes who have, uh, who actually do, uh, work with youth and mentoring that way. So how are you guys doing today? Hey, great. Yeah. Good time. <laughs> I'm also really happy because this is another episode that I get to do with my lovely wife. And it really is cool because over the last few years, I've gotten to watch her as she transitioned out of public education, doing middle school English and into this realm of youth ministry. And it just so happens that God in his kindness and in his humor uh, decided to pair her up with our good friend, Mike Haynes to co-lead youth ministry at our church. And it's honestly, it's just, it's been such a joy to watch the effect that they have on youth, on middle schoolers and high schoolers as they help these kids get a better grasp of what faith looks like, of who God is and how to live a life, how to live a life of faith with God. And I'm just, I'm really glad that we get to take some time with the two of them today and talk about what it looks like to mentor kids. You know, Tom and I have talked in the past about what it's looked like to teach in classrooms, um, but this just, this feels a little bit different. Uh, so Mike, Brooke, would you guys just kind of give us a little bit of background of what your day-to-day looks like, shenanigans and all? Brooke, you want to go first? I don't even, uh, yeah. I, I know, I was going to be like, um, I feel like lately, I don't know what our day-to-day looks like because it's not comfortable <laughs> day-to-day. I mean, well, we always like we're always, you know, working towards Sunday, right? Like that's, you know, game day. So the two of us split our responsibility between middle school and high school. One of us will do a message with middle school while the other one is doing a similar message um, with the high school kids. So we're all like we we talk to each other about what we're teaching. We um, kind of come up with the whole series of what we're going to teach together. We each individually, most of the time, write our own messages, but they're all kind of like we try to stay on the same page with each other with those messages. But because one of us is talking to middle school and one of us is talking to high school, those vary. Our styles are very different. So, um, but I mean, we, 
we very much want to stay on the same page. We are trying to communicate the same big picture ideas to middle school and high school at the same time, but we're splitting it in the sense of, you know, one of us is in one environment, one of us is in the other. That's the, the focus for our Sundays, as well as then preparing our adult volunteers to then have conversations with their individual small group students about whatever the message was that we just spoke about on a Sunday. Yeah, and then one of the more intangible things that we do is uh, like we're just involved in the lives of teenagers, right? Like some of those little, it's just like little touch points where, you know, at the end of every month, they might ask, okay, how many, how many baptisms, how many commitments, how many recommitments have you had? And like, it's one of those things where you, it's sometimes I feel like you can't quite measure the little touch points that we make that are spiritually significant for students because we're just kind of there in their life. And that's just kind of part of our job is just to like be there, just to be the person who a student comes to when their parents are arguing at home and they don't know how to handle that or they don't know what to do with their emotions with that or, um, you know, where the people that students go to when they just went through a really tough breakup, or right? So it's just those little things, those little touch points, just being adults who a teenager can say that adult cares about me. Um, and, and that's what we do. And if we don't have that touch point with every student, then our job is making sure that every student has an adult in their life um, who can be that person for them. And that's where the the working with our, our volunteers comes into play. That's what I think is so different. You know, John brought up the teaching piece and, and on one level, you, you could kind of equate the classroom teacher to what you guys do on the Sunday side of it, maybe. But you guys are so much more involved with your students than the average teacher is. Um, you know, and a classroom teacher might have one or two kids that, you know, that they are that person that, that they become, you know, the confidant or, or whatever. Um, but really, like, that's a major part of your guys' role at the church um, is to have to, to position yourselves to be there for those kids in that kind of a role of mentoring. And so Brooke, as a former classroom teacher, how do you approach the youth ministry differently than when you were doing middle school English? Yeah, it was, it was surprising to me in some aspects, how much my teaching training just very easily transferred over. And then there were the moments like Mike was talking about where we got to talk to students about very personal things in their lives because they were coming to us with the hard stuff. And honestly, I love that part of this job. That is by far my favorite thing that the things that I wanted to talk to my public school students about, I wasn't allowed to talk to them about it because we had to keep that line. There was that barrier. And I understand why that barrier is there. I'm not trying to bash public school at all. That was, I, I totally understand why that existed. But in this position, I mean, that is a very big part of our, our role in these students' lives. And that has been one of the most fulfilling things for me. Um, I mean, I've had, like, you know, at first Mike and I were like, okay, so should, should Mike handle all of the guys and anything that they want to need that they want and need to talk about. So should I handle all of the girls? Is it okay if there's crossover? Should we always make sure that 
if if a boy comes to me, should Mike be in the room when we talk? You know, there was a lot of how do we do this? How do we figure that out? But it's been really interesting to see um, which students feel more comfortable talking to one of us versus the other. And but then Mike and I always will say to the student, you know, like for me anyway, I will say, is it okay with you if I share this with Mike because he and I work as a team? We, you know, we do this together and they are always very quick to say, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And so it's just been really interesting to see. It's almost, Mike and I often talk about how we, we almost feel like we're functioning as like mom and dad to these students. Like we have, he and I have to be on the same page. The kids come to us looking for that kind of guidance, but knowing that we're not their parents. And so they can say things to us that they wouldn't maybe feel as comfortable saying to their parents. But yeah, that has been a very, very fulfilling part of this job for me. Yeah, Brooke, I'm glad you brought up the whole um, acting parent thing at church because oftentimes both you and Mike are the first people that kids meet when they come into church, right? You are the first like pastor. You're the first, I don't want to say authority figure, but you're the first person that actually can come up as an adult, as a spiritual guidance, as a, a guider, um, somebody that comes into this role for the first time for these for these kids. And it you, a lot of times shape their path as far as how they look at, you know, religious establishments, right? And so you guys do have like a big role in in these children's life. And at, at, and we were talking about this when we first started talking on the uh, the subject of mentorship. And you two came to mind because, you know, oftentimes when, when I think of mentorship, I'm automatically thinking of who I can mentor, right? I've learned a lot more as I've gotten older that it's important for me to have a mentor and somebody to learn from. But I've always had that ingrained in me from maybe my military experience that it's important for me to pass on knowledge to to the younger generation to the guys behind me right and so i am super impressed with what you guys do on a weekly basis i've heard i've heard stories from both of you guys about um you know different topics you guys have ran into as far as with students and you know especially kids these age right it's a different type of atmosphere than than, than when we were growing up and mike i know that was such a long time ago for you and so I, I bring that up because I, I guess, um, you know, having this opportunity to kind of talk and, and when we think about, you know, pastors and leaders and stuff like that, mentorship is often not one of the first roles that I think I plug on them, right? Oftentimes I think of somebody that's going to like guide me as far as like uh, tell me, like they're going to tell me what to do. But you guys are really coaching kids to try to find the answers for themselves. And I guess, you know, that's more of that classic mentorship style that I think um, I've grown accustomed to, and I guess you know, is that is that something that you guys feel like you guys are fulfilling that role as far as mentors at first in your role as as youth pastors? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a lot of what I've learned is you know, as adults, and we talk to our leaders about this all the time. That as adults, like what we really want to do is we want to talk about the we don't just want to talk about Christianity in our specific right role, our our specific genre, right? We we do Christianity, that's our, our form of mentorship um, with our students. And we don't just wanna talk about Jesus, like we as adults wanna talk about the part of Jesus that we're really psyched about. Um, and we wanna teach that to students as often as possible for as long as possible all the time, right? And like, that's what we wanna do because we feel like that's what's most important. And what I've learned and what we've learned trying are trying to, to tell leaders all the time is that like you are, you a huge part of your role is going to have nothing to do with Jesus. Like it does, but it doesn't explicitly. Uh, a huge part of your role is to be in the lives of students and just helping them navigate what's going on in their world. Because yes, they they need to learn about what happened in the world of the Bible 2000 years ago, um, because that's going to help them navigate now. But sometimes before they can really totally accept 
what's going on in the pages of scripture. They need to see someone live it out. They need to see someone care about their world right here, right now. And then once they know they can trust you, then they know they can trust your Bible. And so I feel like that's a lot of our role is just being in the lives of students and helping them navigate what's going on in their world. And, and oftentimes the teaching that we spend so much of our time working on winds up being like one of the lesser, you know, it's important, but it winds up being one of the lesser impactful things, right? And I think that's been helpful to us as we've been having this conversation about mentorship it is we've talked about kind of separating those lines of mentor is not teacher. It, like it's a different role. Coach is not teacher and understanding the value uh, of the position that you have and, and how you get to fill each of those roles. And maybe, you know, the teaching on a Sunday, yes, it's a part of the job, but it's not the lion's share of the job. Learning about Jesus is, is different from experiencing Jesus because this grown up is in my life and I can tell that they truly care about me and they're trying to walk me down the right path. Really amazing the stuff that you guys do behind the scenes that I think a lot of people probably wouldn't even recognize, you know, like pastors show up on Sunday and that, you know, that especially youth pastors, right? Like, um, you know, what, what does the youth pastor do the rest of the week? The fact that you guys are so dedicated to, uh, to showing up in your life, the lives of the kids when you, they need you guys is just, it's fantastic. I feel like what we do on a Sunday, while we don't take it lightly at all, I feel like some weeks that's the easiest part of our job by far. And then when we're getting the text messages from the student whose family, I mean, their home life is just nothing that you would ever wish a student would ever experience. Like we're in the trenches with that kid trying to tell them, we don't know why it's happening. We're so sorry. We wish, you know, like all of the things that we're trying to you know, help this child figure out how do they navigate this life that is never at all what God would have wanted for them. Or like Mike said, the kid who's going through, like, you know, we all know what it's like to experience our first heart heartbreak. And at the time it's devastating, but you know, hindsight, we think, okay, that's just, it's not that big a deal. It's going to be okay. You're going to get over it, but you can't say that. To that right. student because right now as they're in the middle of it that is the worst thing they've gone through it is the biggest heartbreak they've ever experienced this is they don't know how they can face tomorrow because this right now feels the like, like the biggest thing they've ever had to navigate and so those moments those are the hardest but those are the things that keep me wanting to come back to this job every day, every moment, because I, I mean, that, that a student, that a teenager would trust me with that part of their life and ask me to, to walk that with them and not necessarily give them advice, not necessarily always tell them how to get through it, but just say, can you please just be here with me in the middle of the difficulty, the pain, the heartache that I feel like is, that's a truly holy experience. And I feel honored every time a teenager invites me into that part of their life. So I'm going to use this as, as kind of a segue into maybe the next piece, but Brooke, we've already, we've heard a little bit about sort of how you got here. Um, Mike, can you fill that in um, for us just so, so we have an idea about um, how the two of you both got here? 
Yeah. So uh, when I was, uh, I grew up playing basketball and then um, wanted to be in the NBA. Um, and maybe some people who are listening can hear this. Um, you might be able to hear the fact that I'm only five seven. That's just you might be able to listen to me, and you're like that guy's short, and and you would be correct. And so uh, because basketball wasn't going to work out, I, I, you know, God was like, you need to find a new passion, man. And so uh, and so youth ministry. I just fell in love with youth ministry as a teenager. I fell in love with leading sixth graders and the middle schoolers when I was in high school. And so I've just been, youth ministry is the only thing I've ever wanted to do, right, with my life. Like I have a degree in youth ministry. Most people don't even know that exists, right? And so, um, you know, I, I I just, I wound up at CFC. I grew up in Ashburn and just wound up back here at Christian Fellowship Church. And, um, and I was doing middle school ministry there. And one day, uh, you know, it wasn't totally out of the blue. There's some context, but basically one day my boss came to me and was like, so this is Brooke. You know, and and you and her are going to be working together now. Like, go, sweet. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So that's that's how we got together. <laughs> so you guys come from, uh, you know, come to youth ministry uh, from different avenues. Like, Mike, you basically have been living and breathing this world for a while now. And, and obviously, Brooke, it's been a couple of years. But before that, it was sort of off your radar. Um, so how do you come together when, when your boss comes in and says, hey, here's Brooke, and you guys are, you know, going to work together now and, and figure out this program? Um, what did that look like in terms of working together and coaching each other up in uh, areas of, of strength and weakness for one another? Well, I think it, it was definitely a, a huge humility thing, right, where, you know, it's it's bringing someone in who, okay, oh, so how much youth ministry experience does she have? you said none? What? You know? And so it was one of those things where uh, for me, it was, okay, the the question you have to ask yourself, Mike, is can you learn from somebody else, right? Who's been working with students since you were a child, right? Can you, do you have the ability, the capacity to, to, to learn from this person? Um, And so it, it really was a matter of just accepting the fact that like me and Brooke are going to be equals and then trusting her and getting to know her enough to be able to trust her with that reality. That that just because I've been living and breathing this for, you know, half a decade or a de- you know, close to a decade or whatever, that doesn't mean that someone else coming in doesn't have anything to offer. Um, and it just turned just just so happens, this might not be a surprise to anyone else, but it just so happens that I'm a lot better at youth ministry now because I've worked with Brooke for the past three years, you know. So it's just it's been awesome but it requires some humility. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm going to ignore the fact that Mike pretty much said that I was old. Doesn't... No, I was saying that I'm a child. That's what that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> a short child. <laughs> a nice a short, 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 yeah, it's a short child. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I actually, I distinctly remember Mike and I sitting on the couch in the office of our immediate supervisor one day, newly new it was new it was very new in our working together relationship and he was saying something about like i have to do this and i'll take care of that and i'll do this and i'll i'll do that and i'll figure this out and i turned to him and i said i don't know if you realize it or not mike but you're saying a lot of i like i have to i need to i'll do i said i like i'm here i'm like, I'm ready. I'm willing to do a lot of this stuff. And it was, it was such an honest moment. And I appreciated it so much. He looks at me dead in the eye and he goes, but I don't know you. 
And that was a like a little light bulb moment for me of this working relationship, while it does have something to do with what does Mike bring to the table, what do I bring to the table, how do we mirror those two and you know work together and figure that out. There, there had to be, we had to give ourselves time and space to learn the other person and learn how that other person worked and what was important to them and their life story. And so it just, so then in the midst of trying to do our day-to-day job, we just spent a lot of time having conversations and asking questions of, you know, just like, okay, so there's this theological idea. So what do you think about that? Like your upbringing in church, what was it like? And just like all kinds, and just, you know, just things about our personal lives and our marriages and just trying to get, you know, an idea of who are you? Because I have to be on the same team with you. I have to work with you to lead these children. So we have to know each other pretty well. And we have to make sure that we are most often, at least as far as this, as the students go, on the same page. Mm-hmm. In the office, away from the students, we can pass it out and not necessarily be on the same page. But to the students, we have to be a unified front. So that was a that was a really, I just, I remember that moment very clearly of, oh, right we need to take time to get to know each other before we can do this job well. What I love about this, what I, I love the theme that's starting to come through now multiple episodes where, and Tom, you mentioned this before that, you know, teacher and mentor, there's a, there's a difference. And, you know, teacher student is usually, like it can definitely be relational, but it's often about like, I have knowledge and I want you to have it, right? Coach and performer of whatever type, it's I have a level of expertise and I want you to achieve expertise in this output. But I love that like you, you guys are talking about the, the significance and the importance of investing in a relationship with your students before they even begin to open up. Um, we have, but with your adult leaders that are also working with teens and getting them to realize like you can't just talk to these kids about Jesus and expect them to believe every word you're saying unless you've shown up all the other times. You know, Alex in our last episode was talking about how, how like he just, he doesn't just disseminate financial information and his clients that are twice his age go, Oh, okay. Right. Like it's the investment in a relationship. Morgan talked about, you know, showing up with, John Eldridge and you know, saying like, I, I don't even know where to start. And John says, start by asking questions. Like basically let's get to know each other. Let's let you get to know you and let's let you get to know me and let's let me get to know you. Like let, let's build the relationship here before we start trying to hone skills or intellect or things like that. And I love that that's what you guys are, are verbalizing here as well is that you know, there, there has to be an intentionality of relationship to have any significant effect as mentors. Yeah. It's less transactional. Right. And even in some of those relationships that, um, that Morgan was talking about, you know, I think about the, the story of, uh, the, the lady who taught him how to, to bow hunt, right. right well, yeah. the, the electrician that he paid to work with him, to put the the fan in his house, you know, he is getting skill out of that. He's getting knowledge out of that, but underlying all of that is the the relational piece of that mentoring that there's something bigger 
in all of those, even if it is just kind of a, a one-off conversation or whatever it might be, it, it goes beyond just that acquisition of something. If I was to make a cool, you know, strong towers info infographic, it would start off with, you know, your mentor on top, your peer, which I think you really identified as having that relationship with somebody to kind of bounce ideas off and kind of co-lead and, and have those I ability to kind of um, just learn from each other and kind of coexist together. And then somebody to, I guess your student or mentee, I guess is the word, is to have somebody underneath you to kind of live life with and pass that over with, right? It definitely is grasshopper on the infographic. Grasshopper. Yes, mm -hmm. I like that. So, you know, I think about that. And, and, and one of the other situations that I think you guys have that is unique with 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 how you guys are leading these students is to have uh, – and what's I forget the term you guys are calling it. Is it, is it leaders or what, what – how, how do you guys explain that when you guys are actually coaching other all of adults? The, all of the above, yeah. We, so we call them – a lot of them, we call them small group leaders. Gotcha. And the ones who aren't small group leaders are just adult volunteers. But, yeah. So how do you how do you coach those guys to kind of do very similar roles that you guys do? Because it, it is an important role as well to kind of you know take these smaller groups together and 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 kind of lead the way you guys would lead, right? You can't be everywhere. You can't be throughout however many students you guys have, which you know I'm guessing is probably you know you know fifty plus, right? So how do you how do you guys you know not only mentor these kids but also mentor other adults to really kind of do that role as well? Yeah, you know what's so my perspective on that is is, is interesting just because I am almost and for the whole of the my time in youth ministry I have been younger if not significantly younger than the vast majority of my adult leaders mm. um, and so less life experience in some cases not all but like went to Bible college and everything but sometimes you know you got adult leaders coming in who have like master's degrees in theology and biblical leadership and right so it's one of those things where like I'm, I'm outstripped in almost every area and yet I'm the one with the authority and I'm the one who's supposed to mentor. And so in that situation, it's a question of like, well, how do you, and so I feel like one of the things that I've really learned is that, you know, you mentioned the, the, the phrase um, that to teach them to, to like mentor students the way that we would, right. Or to do the things that we would. And one of the things that I've had to learn is that I, I, I in particular cannot, cannot, uh, mentor adult leaders that way. I can't do it um, because if I do, I, we're just not going to get anywhere. And so one of the hardest things for me has been learning that just because they don't do youth ministry the way that I would do it, or just because they don't engage students the way that I would do it, that doesn't mean that they're doing a bad job or that they're not, they're, what they're doing isn't valuable. Um, and so, that you know, for instance, there was an adult leader we had who a couple of years ago who was in her 70s. And she was still just doing thing, right? Showing up every Sunday to hang with kids and ask them about their week and talk about Jesus. And she had this little acronym thing that she wrote on a note card and it was, the acronym was like faith or something. And there was a cross involved and it just wasn't my style. I just, I'm not into that kind of stuff at all. But like her students got it, right? It, they got it. And I, I, I literally took, she gave it to me to say, hey, I've been thinking about this and this is really cool. And I'm thinking about teaching my girls. And I was like, that's great. And then took it and pinned it on my office right in front of me so that like every day I could look at that and go, oh, they don't have to mentor the way that I would mentor. Um, in fact, most of my job actually isn't teaching leaders or encouraging leaders to do things the way that I would do it, but instead encouraging them to get better at the, the things that they're already doing. Um, because there are just a lot of leaders who 
they're not going to be really great at like showing up to a kid's softball game because that leader has six kids at home, right? They, they just, their, their capacity is limited, but they're going to be really, really good at the breakups, right? They're going to be really good at handling the breakups. They're going to be really good at making sure that their small group has an understanding of like apologetics or whatever, right? So just encouraging leaders to be really good in the areas they're already really good in. Um, that's a huge part of what, what I do, whatever you feel so. I feel like it's not all that different than what we're trying to do with our students where we we see the gifts that God has given them we, and we try to call that out and give them opportunities to then use those gifts. We're doing that same thing with our adult volunteer leaders is that we see all of the things that they're bringing to the table and thank goodness a lot of them are extroverts and love to be goofy and play games and be rowdy with these kids because Mike and I I don't, God's sense of humor is great, but why would you put two introverts together to lead middle and high school students? I do not know, but he did it. <laughs> and so we're really thankful when we get those high energy adult volunteers. We're like, yes, you do that. You do that. And we will text the students later. <laughs> <laughs> but, but sincerely, that just the seeing what, what their gifts are encouraging them that that is good and necessary and valuable. And, and we tell them all the time, they don't make our job easier, they make our job possible. We cannot yeah. do what we do if we didn't have those adults because those, the small group leaders who meet with those kids every Sunday, they know those students way more intimately than Mike and I ever could. And not that we don't want to, it's just we can't be everywhere with every student all the time. And so it, those those adult volunteers are, so so valuable they they make student ministries what it is so we joked about uh saving you guys for last because you're the best obviously um <laughs> but honestly brooke i think you just gave my favorite definition of mentorship in the whole series and that is calling out the gifts that other people already have i, I that's perfect i, I think that's perfect of what the mentor relationship is supposed to look like. Yeah, and I feel like if Mike and I tried to make everyone do the things the way that we would do them, I mean, for one, he and I wouldn't be able to work as well as we do together because he and I, as as many similarities as he and I have, we also have very, very big differences. And it, that was another thing that took us a while to figure out is that we didn't have to be the same person. There, otherwise, why would there need why why would the need for the two of us exist? Like we both bring very different things to the table. And so, you know, trying to make clones of ourselves, that's that's not the goal. Like that's, you know, it takes it takes the body, right? It takes all of us and all of our different giftings and all of the different things that God has given us to make this thing called Christianity work. So why would we not just try to do that within our little realm of student ministries. You know, when you get on the topic of uh, youth pastors, when you get on the topic of pastors, when you get on the topic of teachers, it's often discussed of how, and maybe it's just with today, but how, you know, oftentimes it can be draining, right? It can be exhausting, right? At the end of the school year, teachers are like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's the end of the school year. And I'm sure it's got to be the same way with students, right? But there's got to be some benefits, right? There's got to be stuff that you guys are pulling away from the table as well. So, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, I mean, and you guys have highlighted a few of those today, 
But what are some key things that you guys have taken away as, as, as youth mentors to kind of say, hey, I've really learned a lot about this or I've benefited this way from, from these students and these people in my life um, and I would not have gained that knowledge or those, or those experiences anywhere else? I mean, I, I don't know if this is uh, this this is going to sound like a joke answer, but it, it honestly is like a big thing. Like our job is just really, really fun. Um, and I feel like I would have there would just be less enjoyment in my life if I didn't spend 50 percent of my work day laughing. Right. Like I just spend we spend so much time laughing and goofing off with students and just having fun. And it just makes like it's like I'm getting paid to have fun. And so there is something about like diving back into the world and the sense of humor of a 16 year old kid. Right. Or like a group of 16 year old kids. And you dive back into that world and just you're allowed to just be goofy with them um, and recognizing, too, and seeing, too, that like the hue, the sense of humor of a 14, 15 and 16 year old kid, if you just allow yourself to loosen up. It, it, it's not actually as childish as you think. It's actually, they're actually, that's when you start to get funny. Like you, you don't remember that about yourself as you get older, but like the funny things that you say now, you were about that funny when you were 14 or 15, you just maybe weren't as eloquent about it. Right. And so I think there's just, for me, like what I take away from it is I just have a great time. I just really love, I love it. I just love it. It just brings me joy. So that's, that's a big one for me. Mike, what I, I can't remember what it is that you say. Bill Tozer always quotes you. What is it? You talk about the what is it? The thing well, we spend a lot. We spend a lot of time. Oh, well, it's the quote is students will never talk to you about things that matter if they never talk to you about things that don't. But the thing that I always say is like to students is I'm just like, we're just going to spend a whole lot of time talking about stuff that matters and a whole lot of time talking about stuff that doesn't. Um, and that's just that's like what youth ministry is, basically. Um, another way to put it, maybe a more eloquent way is like youth ministry is spending a thousand hours with a kid, just goofing off so that for that in your, you're just, but there's a kid, there's a three minute conversation coming and that three minute conversation is going to change that kid's world, but you got to invest a thousand hours to get there. But when you get there and that three minute conversation happens, you get to look back on that thousand hours and realize that it was worth it. Like it was worth the jokes about whatever, right? It was worth like asking them to show you what the heck TikTok is, right? It's it's worth all of that investment because that three minute conversation is coming. And when it comes, it's gonna be because of that investment of time. Yeah, that's definitely something that I learned from working with Mike was the, you gotta invest the time of doing the goofy stuff, the things that you just wanna roll your eyes at and go, no, I don't wanna watch that YouTube video about the cat. Like, I don't, I don't wanna watch that. Like, I don't wanna know about the video game that you're playing because it just, that's not my interest, but when I tell that student that I'm interested in the thing that they're interested in, then we we earn some trust there. And they will come to you with that three-minute conversation. That means far more than the thousand hours, but you have to put that in. Yes, we do. We have a blast. We like it amazes me sometimes that that for one, they put us in charge of children. But then I think, <laughs> well, of course they put us in charge of children. Look what we do. And then that we get paid to do it. But I mean, on top of all the goofing off and the fun and, you know, the thousand hours to get the three minutes, it's just, it's really, it's amazing to see a student have that moment of realization when 
when they see this thing that I thought I was just really good at, this thing that I worked really hard to learn, this thing that they thought was all about themselves, when when the moment of realization comes that this is something God put in you for a much bigger story than the little one that you've been living, and it's a really good story. The little one that you've been living is a fabulous story, but then when their eyes are opened to that that larger story that they are now a part of, that is, that's an amazing moment to witness. And that, that Mike and I get to be a part of that is, I just, I don't know if I have the words for it. So the, the thousand hours to see those moments are, are very, very worth it. And then, you know, we also get to watch kids try to rap to Dr. Seuss lyrics. I mean, that's one of, that is one of my favorite things that Mike Haynes introduced me to in student ministries was we're going to give these kids these lyrics to a rap and it's a page from a Dr. Seuss book and we play some sort of music and they have to rap and it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mike will give you a little sample of it later if you want. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll put a link on the website. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in all seriousness, um, I mean, you guys do really important work. So, I mean, thank you for, for being on the podcast. Um, yeah, for sure. But definitely thank you for what you do with the, with the youth um, because it, it does matter. Um, and you change lives that's important yeah I, I want to say thank you too you know one of the one of the things that i really try to push for is to place men and women in, in in my children's life that would really speak truth in them and i'm i'm so grateful to have you two as, as friends really as close friends that i can kind of look at and say hey you know at this point at, at some point in my life my kids are going to be able to talk to you guys um and have the opportunity to say stuff that they probably wouldn't share to me and i i have full confidence that you guys will provide uh, the great guidance that you guys kind of talk about today. So invest a thousand hours in my kids because it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'd be a little remiss if we didn't ask a follow-up question though. Um, At first, I just want to like, I just, I love the, the part of the conversation that we just had where you guys reminded us about the importance of laughter in mentorship, because I think it's so easy to get the false impression that mentorship is this very, like very sage, very somber, like very serious interaction, like some guy up on a hill with a long white beard and there's no laughter and there's no fun and you better not make any jokes. And, and just how easily you guys talk about coming down to the level of the person that you are meaningfully investing in and not asking them to come up to the level that you're at, that, you know, you, you find them where they are. And, you know, Tom, like you pointed out, Brooke saying, like, you call out the thing that's in them, but it, it, it's never an expectation that, that they be where you are or act like you act, like you said, Mike, like it, and that there's fun in it. I, I, I think somewhere that needs to become part of the definition, or at least the operational definition of mentorship is you better be laughing a lot. You better be having fun. And you, you probably should be pulling your hair out in frustration a fair amount too. But if it ever gets too serious, if it ever gets too somber, 
it, it might be heading more in the direction of teaching than you realize. It might be heading more in the direction of coaching than you realize. It, it might be heading away from the, the true identity of mentorship that I hear you guys describing. Um, and so with that said, I kind of want to flip the question around because you guys do invest so much of yourselves into other people. What does it look like for you to continue to be mentored at this place in your life, at this place in your career? Um, where are you still finding opportunities on your end to look to those that are ahead of you in whatever form and capacity and allow yourself to continue to be developed, allow yourself to continue to be pulled along, allow yourself to find others that look at you and say, I see this thing in you that is already well begun. Let me help you bring it even further into fruition. What does that look like now? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, you know, I, that's, that's an area where if I had to like plead the fifth, like that would be the hardest thing for me. Right. Like I just, I have tried to like find, you know, that one silver bullet person and, and it would, it would wound up looking like is, like I've kind of got someone who I ask questions here and there, but a person over here who I'll ask questions to. And um, I just, I have people who I know that I can always go to if I have questions about a specific thing and they'll very patiently walk, walk me through it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that thing of being mentored, gosh, there are certain seasons of life where there's just not enough hours in the day. It feels like even for the things that you um, philosophically think are really important. And uh, sometimes I just feel like I'm in one of those seasons of life where I just, uh, there's, there's something's got to give, right? I can have community. I can have a great, you know, relationship with my wife and my kids and I can work really hard and I can get all the projects done around the house. I can't do all of it, right? There's something's got to be dropped, you know, and then there's mentorship, having someone. And so something's got to be dropped. And I feel like that's one of the things that I've, I have, I just have to plead the fifth on it. I'm just not doing a great job of it, honestly. Um, I feel like for me, I don't know if I could do this job if I wasn't continually being mentored. Long before this job was on the horizon, I was very, I don't want to say lucky because that's not really how it works, but you know what I mean, that there were several people who came into my life in the mentor role. And like Mike said, it wasn't just one person. It was, you know, this person was really helpful in this area and that person was really helpful in this other area. And I was, it, it was just, I can see how God was kind of orchestrating all this. And I just had a lot of time to just, you know, kind of be in the, in the learning role. I just was the sponge and got to glean whatever I could from all of these people who, who put in my life to mentor me and they're all still in my life. I still go to them when, even when there are situations with our teenagers, I'm like, okay, this student is talking about this and you have teenagers, you have children who are in their twenties and thirties. So I know you've handled this before. How did you handle it? And it's, it's amazing to have the people in my life, but it's also been a really, uh, it's it's been really interesting when one of those mentors also said, "You can't take anything that we that we all say, and take that as this is now now go do that thing now go say that thing to these students. You have to then take that to God 
first, ask him what he says about the advice that I've just given you, and then, then do whatever he says with this teenager who's in this situation or, and so it's just, it's, I love that he has put people in my life who have a very intimate relationship with him. And so they are fully equipped to be a mentor yet in their mentoring, they're saying you, you can't like, I'm, I'm not it. Like I'm not the answer. You have to then have this relationship with God too, which then without them even like necessarily saying it to me, I'm learning. Okay. Then when these students come to me, I'm not the answer. And I tell them that all the time. I, I can give you my perspective. I can pray with you and tell you what God's saying to me, but you have to have this relationship with God too. You have to hear from him. You have to have that conversational intimacy. And so you can listen to what Mike and I say, and we like to think that we know what we're talking about, but we're going to get it wrong too. And so it's so important that you have this for yourself. Your relationship with God has to be yours, not because mom and dad say you need it, not because Mike and I say you need it. And it's just, I just find it really interesting that that's coming. Like it's, it's playing out in several generations, right? Those mentors have said it to me. I'm saying it to these students. Hopefully these students will then, whoever comes across their path that they will then one day mentor. It's just, it just carries on. Like the ripple effects go so much further than Mike and I will ever know. I really like how both of you talk about the, the necessity of intentionality. This. And, you know, Mike in particular, appreciating the honesty of pleading the fifth, that, you know, th this is not the strongest of areas at this point, even as we've just heard you talking about how much you benefit from the kids you work with, how much you benefit from the adults that you work with, how much you benefit from my incredible wife that you have the incredible privilege of working with. <laughs> um, and yet, even just by you're taking the fifth, you know, what I hear is the recognition that there, there's still another level of mentorship that you recognize that you haven't yet acquired, even as you are still having the benefit of mentorship and all these other facets. And I think that's one of the things that's come out for us in, you know, the totality of these episodes on this topic is a, a lot of us went the, you know, the, the lone wolf road, you know, for a fair amount of our life or we were so focused on the giving portion that receiving just, you know, didn't seem to make the cut list. And what this topic of mentorship seems to be awakening in us and, and hopefully in the people that are taking part in this conversation as they listen is the recognition that it seems like there may be another level that all of us are being invited into. Again, not to find, like you said, Mike, not to find that silver bullet, one person that mentors us in everything, but that there's maybe a level of intentionality that we haven't yet invited ourselves into. And maybe it's, we haven't found that person yet. And maybe it's just that we didn't recognize those opportunities when they come up, but that I think for a lot of us, it's at least the awakening of a hunger to have something like that in our lives, to have that kind of presence. And, and maybe it's an occupational mentor. You know, Alex talked in the last episode about the role that his boss has played in doing that. Um, you know, Morgan talked about, you know, a, a guy that, you know, is, is great with finances, but is lousy with health. And like, you're not going to that guy if, if you want help 
like Mike is learning how to run a, an ultra marathon. Um, you know, but I, I think this recognition in us of there are places in me that, that could use a guide and, and I, I, I don't want to do it myself anymore. And that, that honestly feels like the beginning of mentorship on the receiving end. And it's what you guys described with working with kids is they, they spend that thousand hours with you to finally initiate that three minute conversation of I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. Can you guys help me. Or the adults that thought they had it all figured out with whatever degrees they had or past experience with kids they have. And I've seen the conversations happen where they come to you and they look at you, even though you're younger or have fewer kids or fewer MBAs or whatever. And they're like, you guys just seem to get teenagers. Can you help me? Like it's these beautiful moments of a recognition of need. Mm -hmm. And that just, that feels like one of the things that we've tapped into over the course of this topic and over the course of these episodes is mentorship just doesn't become a real thing until that need is awoken. So uh, as we wrap up, is there a way that, uh, that people can hear from more from you guys, uh, whether that is locally or whatever? Yeah, so uh, a couple of years ago, I decided to venture out and do something that was terrifying um, and start my own youth ministry curriculum organization. Um, it's called G-Shades, and the basic concept is uh, curriculum specifically designed to help students see life through the lens of the gospel. Um, to dig into that a tiny bit more without getting too into the weeds on it, basically everybody's got a lens that they see life through. Um, or multiple, and uh, and without even recognizing it, students think that they see life through a neutral lens. They all do, um, because it's neutral to them, because it's what they're used to. Um, but the reality is they see life through a certain lens. And for some of them, depending on what's going on in their life, it might be the lens of bitterness, or it might be the lens of hopelessness, or it might be the lens of anger, or uh, it might be a lens of, of self-importance or pride or whatever, right? We've got all these lenses that color the way we see the world around us. And then what you see informs what you do. Um, and so you wind up uh, acting in ways and behaving in ways and having attitudes that are not like Jesus because of the way that you see things. Um, and so if what you see informs what you do, then the best way to help students live differently is to uh, help change the way that they see. Um, fortunately, we know that Jesus saw through the lens of the gospel and that the gospel is the center of everything. And so my hope is to produce curriculum specifically designed to help students take off their old lens and put on a new one, that the, the gospel would be their internal narrative, that voice they have in their head that determines their reality and determines the way that they, they handle life around them, that tells them what's real and helps them interpret the things that are going on. Like, I just think the gospel narrative should be that reality. It should be more real to them than the anger that they feel. It should be more real to them, like what God has done for them and how Jesus has treated them in the context of the gospel should be more real to them than the anger that they feel toward their stepmom or, or whatever, right? So um, the, the the curriculum is, is just really gospel focused. We talk about um, some aspect of the gospel every single week. Um, and so, you know, for if anyone who is, you're, you belong in a church or whatever, like that is, that's my thing. That's my baby. It is my my life's passion. Like I love this G-Shades curriculum thing. Um, and, uh, and, and because of the pandemic, no church, you know, no churches are really strapped 
um, financially. Uh, everyone is right. And so um, just getting ready to put out a six month free package, six months of free curriculum, just because I know that churches could use it. So, um, and that's all video messages. It's, it's all of it. It's just all the things, games and Instagram stuff, whatever. If you're not a youth ministry person, you don't care. But if you are, you know that this, it's awesome. So anyways, uh, gshades.org. And that's where you'll find, if you're like, I want to know what Mike really cares about. That's, that's, there's a lot there that I really care about. That's like my heart right there. So gshades.org. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for uh, for getting on the mics with us uh, from what am I call it Zoom One Studios, uh, and uh, and talking through all the different aspects of, of mentorship in, in the roles that you guys have uh, supporting our youth. And, and again, thank you for the very very important work that you guys do uh, day in and day out with uh, with the youth of our church and uh, our community. Um, and so uh, until next time, this is Tom with Mike and John, and uh, we will catch you back here for another Strong Towers podcast. Hey guys, Tom here. If you like the conversation that we were having uh, this week on the podcast, make sure to give us a, a like or a review in your podcasting app. And we'd love for you to join in the conversation uh, beyond just uh, just what we got to talk through this week. So uh, find us on Facebook. We have a private group on Facebook now. You can uh, get to that through our website, strong-towers.com, or on Facebook you can search for We Are Strong Towers. Uh, like I said, it is a private group, so you'll need to ask uh, for us to, to let you in there just to keep it a safe space for guys to engage in, in deep conversation as we look at these topics that are uh, so important to who we are and, and uh, how we approach life. And follow us on social media also at strong underscore towers on Instagram and Twitter.